You're listening to the Kurdistan in America podcast, the official podcast of the Kurdistan Regional Government representation in Washington, D.C. I'm your host, Dulavan Barwari. Welcome to the third episode of season three. In this episode, I move up north to Canada to interview Ms. Ashti Waisi, originally a member of the Kurdish-Canadian community of Edmonton, but currently living in Ottawa. The focus of our discussion is about her experience migrating to Canada with her family as refugees, the challenges of integrating to a new society, and the Kurdish diaspora in Canada. Ms. Waisi is a legislative assistant at the Canadian Parliament and a former assistant to the chair and co-founder of the Parliamentary Friends of the Kurds group, Mr. Tom Kimmich. She has a dual degree in political science and sociology. This episode coincides with Nowruz, the Kurdish New Year, which falls on March 21st, but celebrations begin with the lighting of fires on March 20th. Nowruz symbolizes renewal, hope, and joy, which is much needed at this time of the pandemic and political and economic uncertainty. Through gatherings with family, friends, and community, we also celebrate our people's liberation from tyranny and demonstrate support for the Kurdish cause. It's worth noting that the recent missile attacks on Erbil will not deter our will to fight for our rights or to protect our achievements. Happy New Year to the people of Kurdistan and all who celebrate Nowruz in North America and around the world. Nowruzawa Piruzbit. Nowruztan Piruz. And now, the interview with Ashti Waisi. Welcome to the Kurdistan in America podcast and thanks for joining me, Ashti Khan. Thank you for having me, Kaglova, and it's a pleasure for me to be part of your podcast. It's a pleasure having you. Thank you. I want to begin with a bit about you. Tell us about your childhood and journey to Canada. Um, at the beginning of the Iran-Iraq war, around 50,000 Kurds from Rochalat uh, were forced to flee their home and ended up uh, taking shelter in a large uh, refugee camp in Iraq called Al-Tash Camp. And this is where my parents uh, met and also where my siblings and I were born. Um, as a refugee, I had a rough childhood growing up. Uh, we always lacked clean water. Uh, food safety was always a major concern. And most of the time, we weren't even sure of our next meal. But I was always fortunate uh, to have my family around me because I always felt comfort. Uh, six months prior to emigrating to Canada with the help of the United Nation, uh, my family and I went through a tragic accident and I lost one of my uh, little brothers, which uh, marked me forever and uh, made my journey to Canada a little difficult. Uh, so it was not easy to adapting to a new society while still grieving, uh, but the prospect of starting a new chapter in my life in a free country was very exciting for me. Thank you very much for sharing the story. And I'm really sorry to hear about your brother. Thank you. Uh, and it's a very touching story. Now, what is your most memorable childhood memory? Um, as a very young child, uh, I remember seeing older kids in the camp playing with fireball, fireballs during Noros. So uh, they'd roll up a piece of wool into a ball and attach it to a metal rod soak it in gasoline and light it up on fire and throw it in the air. And I always wanted to participate in these festivities, uh, but my father wouldn't allow me because I was too small. And then finally, one special uh, notice, my 
father gave me the permission to make my own fireball from scratch. And this was one of my uh, fondest memories. Oh, wow. Very interesting memory. And I think I've yeah. shared, shared in some ways. And mm -hmm. we are approaching Nowruz, actually, in a few days yes. from now. Oh, for sure. Uh, thanks for sharing that. And uh, now, how was the transition from living in a camp to living in Canada? Um, it's not always easy to adapt to a new environment, uh, especially going from a refugee camp to a country with a completely different environment. Uh, because I remember when my family and I came to Canada, it was winter time around March, and we felt very isolated while having to adapt to a new culture, new society, or new country in general. But I was only 10, uh, so adapting to a new environment and culture was not as difficult as it was for my parents. I trans transitioned easily because I knew I wasn't alone. I was always with my siblings. And uh, my parents always continued to speak Kurdish with us at home. So the transitioning to Canadian society was actually more smooth than uh, difficult to go through. Very interesting. Now, identity is rather an interesting concept. Thanks for bringing that up. We mm -hmm. Kurds, as you mentioned, uh, have different identities. And when you mentioned language, is that's also part of our identity. And we, we tend to have multiple identity because of our political predicament, mm -hmm. whether we are speaking the mother tongue, Kurdish, or the host uh, country or the, or the oppressing country that we're part of. Or when we come abroad, we uh, in America, for example, I, I'm, I'm an English speaker and you're a Canadian, in Canada, you're an English speaker. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, some of, of these identities were observed voluntarily, but some of them were forced upon us. Now, tell me about your identities. You must have a Canadian and a Kurdish one. Do you have any, you want to share that with us? Uh, for sure. So uh, my roots are from Roshalat, Eastern Kurdistan. That's where my parents were born in Kermanshad. And they were immigrated to Iraq. And again, I was born at the refugee camp in Iraq. And then I immigrated to Canada. So, yes, I have uh, a different identity. So I am a Kurd, so I'm Roshalati, uh, but born in Iraq, but also Canadian citizen. So I do identify myself as a Kurd, like from uh, Roshalat, but also a Canadian Kurd. So I do have, it's kind of like having three different identities. The, the Iraqi identity was actually forced upon me. So it wasn't something that I chose i was born in a refugee camp so it wasn't i was voluntarily basically i had no choice absolutely very interesting uh now can you share some of the challenges that you experienced integrating into the new system uh both in the education system and social norms that's coming from a refugee camp in iraq into canada how was it can you share some of the challenges that you experienced for sure uh, so some of the challenges that I experienced were adapting to the Canadian culture while I couldn't speak a word of English. Uh, the weather was also another, another thing that challenged me because I never experienced snow at the refugee camp. It was always dusty and very dry there, and we'd have like dust storms most of the time. So adapting to the cold weather in Canada was challenging, but eventually I learned to get used to the cold weather we had in Alberta. Uh, but uh, while I was in school, um, it was not easy to make friends and socialize because of the language barrier. But regardless of how difficult it was for me not being able to understand the teachers or the students, 
I still felt very safe and happy being there because I knew I no longer have to go through the teachers hitting me like they did at the refugee camp. And um, even though the transition was somewhat difficult, I also saw it as a new opportunity uh, to embark on a new chapter of my life. I knew I no longer had to go through poverty, lack of safety, and living under Saddam Hussein's dictatorship. And I also knew my father tried really hard to bring us to a safe and free country so that we could have a bright future. Very interesting. Now, let's pivot to the Canadian Parliamentary Friends of the Kurds, which you are involved in. Can you tell us about the mission of the organization and how it was established? Yes. Uh, so the mis- mission of the organization is basically uh, to give Canadian parliamentarians an opportunity to aim at establishing a dialogue between Canada and Kurdish lawmakers or representatives, and to also develop a positive relation between Canada and Kurdistan regional government. Um, this organization was established in 2016 by a conservative uh, member of parliament, Tom Kimmich, who has a very close relationship and kind heart uh, towards the Kurds in Canada and also abroad. Oh, good. So, some what? Tell me some of uh, tell me some of your activities. What ha, what has the organization done so far? Uh, your so, engagement with the community, or have have you visited Kurdistan, or are you, are you planning to visit Kurdistan? Absolutely. Uh, my goal is actually to go back to Kurdistan Bashur this year, hopefully around uh, May June. It's not confirmed yet, but that's my goal. Great. Now, let's backtrack a bit, and I wanted to know also about your role in the organization. What do you do for them? Uh, So while I was working with the chair of the group, um, I was a member of the group. So anytime Kurdish communities uh, would want to bring an idea forward uh, to the group or to the Canadian government, I would, uh, with the best of my abilities, arrange the meeting with the other members, uh, the chair of the group, and also the Kurdish community. But uh, currently, I work with a member of parliament who is not part of the group. Uh, So I still try my best to continue to be engaged uh, in the group and to continue a foster relationship between Kurdish communities and the group. Um, I also uh, believe that this group is very important, not just for KRG, but also for uh, Canada. So it needs to be maintained by doing regular meetings it's beneficial to both government politically and economically. Very well. Now, I understand that you were re- you were leading a research project for Mr. Kimmich mm-hmm. last year. Can you tell us a bit about the project and what was it about? Uh, the project was basically to create a database with list of all Kurdish communities in Canada that parliamentarians can easily access and reach out to uh, the Kurdish communities when they want to attend Kurdish events. And the goal of this project was to collect nationwide demographic data to accurately characterize the Kurdish communities in Canada. Uh, So I was fortunate uh, to organize and uh, spearhead this project for five months. And then in the end, I completed the project successfully by registering 20 Kurdish communities across the country that barely anyone knew some of them already existed. Very interesting. Now, could you share some of the findings with us? Uh, For sure. Or Uh, did I repeat that? uh, No, I can uh, tell you some of the findings. Yeah. 
Uh, so the main finding uh, of my project were that there are far more Kurds than what the official Canada statistic website has recorded. Uh, so on the website, it shows that there's approximately about 10,000 Kurds in Canada. But according to my project, there's about 60 to 65,000 Kurds across the country. So now that's six times more than what the website recorded. Um, another finding of my project was that I was able to identify different cities in Canada with different Kurds from different parts of Kurdistan. So, for example, um, according to my research, uh, Montreal's Kurds are mainly from Bakur, while Vancouver has more Kurds from Rochalat. Uh, but what was interesting to me was that almost every city in Canada had good numbers of Kurds from Bashur. Very, very interesting. It sounds like we need to do a similar project here in, in America, in the U.S. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> yeah. So uh, what do you think, uh, what makes the project so important? Um, I believe the project uh, is now uh, a really uh, a tool uh, for not just myself, for even parliamentarians to use when they want to work with Kurdish communities. So um, like my database has a list of all the communities, uh, what events they do yearly, um, what kind of fundings they may need, who are they associated with in the country. So what's important about the project is that it basically identifies that there are Kurds exist in the country, and this is where they're located if you need to reach out to them. Okay, great. Now, have you been able to use it? Uh, personally, I did, yes. Uh, so... I recently uh, used it uh, while I was trying to persuade the Conservatives' leader office for uh, creating a notice post. Uh, so I, I was able to achieve that because I used the project as a reference that we have about 60 to 65,000 Kurds in the country and we deserve to be recognized. So this goes to show that the project is very beneficial for these concerns to be put forward in the government. Very interesting. Now let's pivot to your recent job at the Canadian Parliament. Earlier you mentioned your Nemruz initiative in Parliament. Can you elaborate on that, please? Yes, so uh, since Nowruz is a very special uh, traditional uh, holiday for me, I was always disappointed with the Canadian government uh, for recognizing Nowruz as only a Persian New Year. So with this idea in mind, I started working, uh, before I started working in the Parliament, I wanted to educate uh, the parliamentarians that Nowruz did not actually originate from the Persians. Instead, it's a Kurdish traditional holiday, while Persians also celebrate, but on a different calendar. So Kurdish Nowruz um, calendar goes way back to over 2,700 years, while the Persians uh, calendar is around 1,400 years. So uh, with that being said, I was fortunate to persuade the Conservatives Leader Office to create a post for parliamentarians uh, to use on their social media to show that Kurds, that they really matter in the country. So again, uh, going back to the, the, the project, why it's important, uh, it allowed me to actually use the project as a reference for uh, that post to be created. Very interesting. And that's Khosh. Well Thank done, you. as we say Good in pleasure. Kurdish. That's Khosh. Yeah. <laughs> now, are you planning to run for office someday? 
Uh, the prospect of running for office is obviously something that interests me very much because um, it will open more opportunities for me to tackle greater issue, not just in my homeland, but also here in Canada, where Canadians are actually currently challenged to express their rights and freedoms in a democratic country. So I want to become the voice for those Canadians who enjoy living in a free and democratic country. Um, Canadian rights and freedoms are very important uh, to me because I've personally experienced and lived a life where my rights and freedoms were taken away from me for simply being a Kurd. Very well. Well, I can't vote for you, but as <laughs> I can lobby for you and, and have my friends I would for appreciate you, maybe. that. <laughs> <laughs> that would be wonderful. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, what should I ask you that people may not know about you? Uh, people may now know that I enjoy reading a lot especially uh, novels by a Russian novelist, uh, Fedor Dostoevsky. Um, he's one of my favorite writers, and his writer, uh, writings have actually motivated me for one day when the time is right. I will be writing a book based on my life at the refugee camp and also growing up here in Canada. Very, very interesting. I like to read that. Uh, life sure. of a Kurt. <laughs> part of it is refugee, and the other part is... Uh, Asylum at another state. <laughs> For sure, that's true, unfortunately. Now, this wraps up our interview. Would you like to add anything else that I may have missed? Uh, yes. So one little piece of advice that I have uh, for those new young Kurdish parents is that I encourage you uh, to teach your kids Kurdish language at home because that's what my parents did uh, with me. Um, I was able to hold on to my roots by continuing to communicate uh, in Kurdish language while adapting to the Canadian society. So um, one best thing you can do is always uh, have your uh, kids listen to Kurdish music, uh, speak with them Kurdish, so that way they can uh, adapt to the Kurdish culture and also to the Canadian culture. And finally, I would like to uh, wish everyone happy Noros. Thank you very much for the wonderful advice and Thank you so much for the wonderful interview. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thank you. It is an absolute pleasure having you. Thank you for listening to the Kurdistan in America podcast, the official podcast of the Kurdistan Regional Government representation in Washington, D.C. Please don't forget to subscribe to our podcast either on Buzzsprout, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google. Also, for more information about the Kurdistan region, please visit our website at www.us.gov.krd or follow us on Twitter at krg_usa. 